Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome into Fantasy Sports today on this Monday, the 27th of April, 2020. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri as we've got plenty to get to in terms of the fantasy ramifications of the 2020 NFL Draft. A job well done in our coverage here on SportsGrid. Ten hours of live coverage. In case you missed it, you can go back and catch it on YouTube for sure. But we're back here broadcasting, doing our normal show. We got, of course, our... Uh, this day in sports, our birthdays, we'll do stadium tours as well. But uh, Joe, a job well done by you and, and the great team at Sports Grid. Um, really went off without a hitch. I was happy to participate with some of the Dolphins picks as well. And it's good to see you again this morning. What's going on? Good to be back, Mish. I got to tell you, I had to wear my uh, technical hat there uh, last week a lot, doing uh, making sure that we could uh, actually uh, bring that. A lot of moving parts there in that uh, behind the scenes. But like you said, I mean, 10 hours of live programming, uh, who'd have thunk it, but it was great. And, I mean, I am sure there are, outside of maybe one or two fan bases, probably pretty happy with how the draft went, including, you know, our Miami Dolphins here in South Florida. Yeah, I, I think so. I think most teams come out of it feeling really good, and then there are some questions about a couple of teams, and and certainly we'll get to that in a minute. But I think overall, Joe, the theme for me was that, look, it's the highest watched draft of all time for sure. I think that we were all tuned in based on us all being home and watching it. But with all of the nervousness and indications that there could be some sort of technical issues or things that are happening, yes. um, outside of the first 10 minutes where we were just really bored waiting for the draft to start, beyond that, I, I enjoyed this draft just as much as any other draft that I've seen. And I don't yeah. think that I'm exaggerating with that. I mean, certainly it's great to see the players and – and, and see them on the stage, but I don't, I don't really feel like that was necessary. They were at their houses, and, and ESPN was able to go to them many times, and I thought that we got all the emotions of that as well. And especially after, like I said, the first 10 minutes, the draft moved quick. The picks were getting in. Everyone knew who they wanted, and and I really enjoyed that distraction for really two nights. I mean, yeah, the third day yesterday or a Saturday, Joe, um, <laughs> You know, I mean, there were, there were, I wasn't really dialed in like I was the right. first two days for sure. But I thought the first two days of coverage, not just because we had nothing else on, I thought that it was actually some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I, listen, it's a, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, and let's be realistic here. None of us really had any idea what we were going to be witnessing and what we were going to be seeing there. But what ended up happening was it, it was when you stripped it down, which is really what that was, you got a much more reality-themed and feel yeah. to it, you know, where Coach Andy Reid wearing his, you know, hanging out, wearing his uh, Hawaiian shirt, and Belichick hanging out with the dogs, and, you know, whatever the hell that is that, that Kingsbury lives in uh, over there in this Miami Vice pad. I mean, it was, I, I thought, man, it wasn't overdone. It wasn't oversaturated. Hell, even, uh, you know, late in the rounds, you had Goodell calling it from his chair. I don't even think he got <laughs> up at some point, so... I thought it was uh, way better. I didn't know what to expect, but I thought it went really, really well. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of notes that they can take from yes. that. And I think that we're all learning how to not just watch TV and stay at home, but we're learning how to enjoy different sorts yes. of things, even though they're not delivered to you. I mean, Saturday Night Live is another really good example of that, how they've now had two straight weeks of shows mm -hmm. where they've been doing their shows at home. and. Again, it's not the same show with the laughter and the draft isn't the same show with the hugging and the kissing. And I get all that. But for for what my expectations were going in, I came out feeling really good about where we're at. And certainly I think that the NFL put on a show mm -hmm. in that draft to show that other teams. I mean, look, a lot of the other teams, it's a lot different, the NFL, the position that they're in, as opposed to the NBA, Major League right. Baseball, NHL. I mean, they're missing games. OK, this is just a draft. And. Um, you know, the NBA draft certainly will be next and then, um, you know, or, or maybe the baseball draft will be next. I'm not really sure how they're going to work all that out. Drafts are a lot easier to do than actually play games. But I think that the barometer has now been set how to handle that sort of atmosphere. And um, and I do want to drive uh, really hard into this draft today. So throughout our show, we're going to go into the picks and sort of talk about everything that that, that happened. But mm -hmm. really, I think the top story from yesterday and from the day before 
before we hit on the draft, Joe, is the idea that the NBA at least looks like they are diving back into business to a degree. Now, look, they're tempering a lot of the excitement that was initially reported. Right. And for good reason, because there are going to be some places in the country where it's going to be problematic to have full practices. But I think that as we start to see some of this leaking out, that potentially there could be 15 teams uh, today or tomorrow uh, or the next day, very soon, starting to open up their facilities, yep. you know what comes next, Joe. It's it's a week or two of let's try this, then a week or two of practice, and then it is a week or two of preseason, and then a week of two of games. So uh, dare I say, this target of having June things being back, I think, starts to feel a little bit more realistic in one way or the other. I wouldn't predict May at this point, but June certainly seems to be on the radar. It's it's so crazy to think about it, Craig, where we started all of this. I mean, you know, first, first week in March, you and I are at Roger Dean Stadium. We're watching the Yankees. We're watching the Marlins take on. We're, you know, we're having a good time. And then... From that point on, really, like week number two of, of March to where we are now. And think it's only about a month and a half, but it might as well have been, what, three years, it feels like, since it's been there. Yeah. And and I think that's also, a, a you know, that curve starts to work to our advantage, too, because when you think about it and you get some perspective, how far we have come with this from the last 45 days from where we started to where we are right now. And that, you know, April 30th kind of circled on the calendar where let's kind of reevaluate everything. It's here, and we're already starting to hear about how the NBA is looking to open up facilities for individual workouts and those types of things. I think we're going to learn a lot this week. It, maybe no definitive answers, but certainly sure. blueprints. I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what needs to happen in order for us to get back to some normalcy. Yeah, I think it's in terms of sports for sure, yeah. and I think that that's that's going to be really cool and important to see. Um, aside from the draft, there was other news over the weekend, which you know certainly dominated the news cycle, which is of course Jameis Winston signing a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints to be the backup to Drew Brees. So we think at the same time they extended Taysom Hill out for a couple of years. No one can really quite figure out what uh, Sean Payton's infatuation is with Taysom Hill. And we've seen some of him, and he's looked good in these short periods of time that we've seen him. But for Jameis Winston, essentially, Joe, this is sort of, I mean, I, I mean, he probably wouldn't say that he's hanging his head low and just walking into a new facility and hoping to sniff out a game or two this year. But I think that's pretty much it. I mean, in fantasy, it makes some sense if you're going right. to draft Drew Brees very early and he's, let's say, the third or fourth quarterback off the board. Maybe if you're playing with deep rosters, grab Winston, throw him on your team, and and see what happens. But, I mean, over-under on games played this year, Joe, barring injury, is basically a half or yep. one for Winston. I don't, I don't see him playing at all. No, I, I think it signals two things. I think, number one, and, and I've always said this, Sean Payton's not an idiot. If Taysom Hill was the future of this organization and he was viewed as a franchise quarterback, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. He's a great Swiss Army knife. He is a great football player. But obviously, Sean Payton, the organization, by signing Jameis is saying, if something were to happen, Drew Brees, we're not putting in Taysom Hill to lead us through six, seven games or whatever it may be. And if I'm Jameis Winston, I, you, it could not have worked out any better for you. A one-year deal where you get to go to an organization finally that's got its stuff together, shall we say, all Hall of Fame quarterback you finally get to sit behind, Hall of Fame coach, Super Bowl winning everything. When you think about Jameis's years in Tampa, guys, it was marred by coaching changes, offensive coordinator changes, a mess. And this is going to be an opportunity for him to be able to kind of sit back, breathe a little bit, and really kind of understand what a organization is supposed to be like. And get paid. And nice get paid doing do it. it. And, and I think that we've always said that Winston could be a backup in the NFL for 10 more years yep. if he chooses to. My guess is, is that there's a quarterback out there on one of the 32 teams that's going to fall completely flat. And that number one will probably grow exponentially as the season goes on. And Winston people will fall back in love with and he'll get himself a starting job again Absolutely. in 2021. I think yep. that's probably the, the way that it ends up working out. So 
Um, we'll dive a little bit more into the other quarterback who's still on the market and Cam Newton coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Trent Williams also, that trade was final. Mm -hmm. That was another deal aside, well, sort of during the NFL draft, Joe, but Trent Williams now goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Looks like Joe Staley is going yeah. to retire. But, uh, you know, Trent Williams, to me, not really a fantasy ramification type guy, but the Niners did a really good job, I thought, of just uh, filling in a hole there. And and how many times do you see this? Not very often in the NFL, where essentially a player knows he's going to retire but keeps it quiet. Yes. So, therefore, uh, his team can still navigate around him and making a deal. So 13 years in the trenches, guys, is a lifetime. Like, I, I can't even, you know, when you think about it, uh, and they say the reason uh, that he's retiring is because of health reasons. Well, yeah, no crap. I mean, Joe Staley has been one of the best in the trenches his entire career. It doesn't shock me, but um, to your point, what the 49ers did by going out and get Williams, who was an all-star here, guys. This was, you're, you're talking about a, a top-notch uh, tackle in the National Football League who was kind of derailed a little bit by injuries, but it was handled, it botched so bad by the Washington uh, Redskins that you know, their failure is now a great opportunity for the 49ers to get in there. And who better? Shanahan, of course, who knows the, you know, knows the uh, the Redskins organization from his time there with uh, with dad. So uh, I find it interesting, the connection and the lineage uh, as as they end up filling in one all star with another. And that usually doesn't happen. So let's let's go uh, real quick, and then we'll we'll dive deeper into it. But highlight to the draft, Joe, um, SEC dominated again. Uh, 14 players from LSU. Uh, Carolina took all defensive players. We figured out where Tua was going to end up going. Mm. Uh, Jake Fromm slipped a little bit. Um, you know, you nailed a you nailed a really good one picking uh, Rugs. Yep. To be the first receiver, and it was, the odds were just ridiculous. I don't, yep. I, don't, I don't think you got you were too busy to get down on that. I think I don't know. But it, <laughs> I had a little side action on that, but okay, uh, okay. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that, I got I, those the are Jets. Among the highlights for yep. me, too, um, yep. you know, in, in Green Bay was a disappointment. I think that everybody has acknowledged that, right. although they must have some grand plan we're unaware of. But uh, those are sort of the things that my, you know, 30-second takeaway was right. specifically of the draft. And then later in the show, we'll get into the fantasy. I thought it was very, and I had said it, we're either going to get absolute craziness, throw all caution into the wind early, or it's going to be one of the chalkiest drafts that we've seen, especially in the first round. And, yeah, it turned out to be very, very chalky. And I think it also speaks volumes to the quality of the players in this year's draft, where no team felt they had to move up or do something like they were going to be content with who they went and got. And you mentioned the SEC, but I think there was a lot of value in the second and third rounds with guys that could have went higher. But I think there was an awful lot of players in this draft that, are difference makers early on. And I thought teams didn't feel like they had to go and do anything drastic to go get a player because there were a lot of really good players through the first couple of rounds of this uh, of this draft. Yeah. What do you make of Jordan Love going to Green Bay? That seemed to be a pretty hot topic. I love it. Uh, I love it because I think, well, I don't think I know. This, the Green Bay Packers are telling you what they think of Aaron Rodgers. We listen. If you didn't see it last year, that 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 cliff is starting to get you know on a downward spiral here, guys. He's a little half a second late here, and step and that they are basically telling you that Aaron Rodgers is much closer to the end than a rebirth, like a Tom. The Brady. end at the end at Green Bay, that's for sure. Uh, we don't certainly know about the, the, NFL, end but the end of Green Bay, like yeah. Rivers. I'd rather you go a year early than a year yeah. late. Somebody in that organization loves love, Jordan Love. Loves him. For sure. Obviously. So, and I think also somebody in that organization made the decision that Rodgers is a lot closer to the end with us than he is to, uh, you know, taking this thing to another level. It, you know, when you're talking about one of the game's greatest, it's never pretty. The breakup is never going to be pretty, but good for the organization for having enough of the um, – the nerve and the chutzpah to go up there and say, we love this kid. We love what he offers. This could be our franchise. We're going to get him. They did it with another guy, too. Uh, what was his name? Oh, yeah, Brett Favre. They took a guy in the first they round, They did, too. but come on. Love is not Favre, Joe. No. Listen, Aaron Rodgers wasn't Aaron Rodgers till he was. So Well, he was also a first-round pick. First round picks looks a lot similar to me, but I, I don't know. Good I, for love, I, by I, the I way. don't even like love in general. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But you know, good I, spot I, I for mean, him. It's, it's really easy to pile on what everybody else is doing, but it's right. just too obvious that they didn't draft a receiver. Like oh, some yeah. of the, they yeah. drafted Dylan. I'm not really sure why they did that. And I and I think that the, my biggest takeaway from the entire draft mm-hmm. is that this is the final year of Aaron Rodgers playing in Green uh, Bay. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's got to be unless they completely threw away a pick, and that's getting people fired. I you, mean, that's, you don't do it unless you if you think Aaron Rodgers has got another three four years in him. You don't do it. It, no it, just, it tells me they don't think they're as close as everybody else seems to think they are. I think they they are looking at this upcoming year where we're not nearly as good. We're not nearly as close as what our record showed last year where they did have an awful lot of things go their way in that season. So uh, Aaron Rodgers to me has got another year maybe two in Green Bay before they pull the plug on. I mean, I cannot imagine they drafted Love to not play yeah. a single game in 2021. Like, I, I, I wouldn't doubt he wouldn't play a single game this year, but yep. two years sitting on the bench after taking him in the first round, that yep. seems... And they're not giving Aaron Jones another contract, guys. Not happening. That, too, was well, also... Right. We a learned a lot about running backs in this draft, too. Nobody did, cares. Did we not, him. right? <laughs> So true. We are just so done true. with yep. running back. Like, like we talked about, I mean, McCaffrey should take that money. Whatever, yep. whatever they're offering Mixon, I think he's just got to take the money. I mean, no first-round running backs at all? Yep, yep. There's a if lot this of... Was five um, years ago, Swift would have been a first-rounder for sure. Should have been. Yeah, but, I, I think all no, of them would have been. I think most of maybe those guys so. there. Yep. Unbelievable. I didn't see Hilaire going. I We thought they might go running back, but we thought it would be right. Swift, but... Uh, they go with Hilaire, who is another perfect luxury item for Andy Reid and company there. He fits in, you know, like, you know, like uh, Maurice uh, Jones-Drew type of thing there. The kind of running that he is, can catch balls out of the back. He's perfect. Did they need a running back? No. But when you've got the 32nd pick and you're champions, why not at that point? Right. And as I've been telling you for weeks, the Dolphins were not going to take Herbert. That indeed... And they didn't have to do anything crazy to go get their guy. It's amazing. They, they, they didn't. And, yep. and, I'll, and I'll tell you, the one, the positive about the Dolphins is, first of all, I think they had a really good draft. They got sniped yes. on Dobbins. We'll talk about that. But um, they had a good draft. Yep. But the one interesting takeaway that no one's talking about, Joe, that they should be, is that what they were able to pull off this year, right. they'll never be able to do again. You know? Going into next year, all the smoke screens, no one's going to believe them. Nope. Everyone is going to go with the pick that you would assume that they're going to take because they threw out so much smoke up until the draft with all these other players and moving up and all this other nonsense. Yep. You try that again next year, you don't win. Like everyone happen. will everyone will know. But it was worth it to do it for Tua. You know, Absolutely. It was worth it to grab Tua for sure. You get your guy and you didn't have to move anywhere at number five. Maybe we thought, oh, what are you winning games for? You still got Tua. Tank they got for Tua work. Yes. They got very lucky. They did. All right. Uh, we're lucky enough to continue our coverage here of the 2020 uh, NFL Draft. It's our sort of recap show. But coming up next, we stick with what we usually do here on the show. This day in fantasy sports and sports birthdays. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Fish along with Joe Ranieri. We're back here on Monday with the latest in sports and fantasy sports. A full plate of that to discuss. Mm. But before we go any further, Joe, a big story from Sunday, an unfortunate mm. uh, story from Sunday as well. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, the romance is over for uh, Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari. Uh, Jay no. Cutler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, one of my favorite reality TV shows is just not going to be the same. I mean, Jay Cutler was so good on that show, and, Chris, and Kristen Cavallari was really good on The Hills and that too. And look, there's kids involved, so of course, you know, I'm, I want to be as serious as I possibly can here, but when you let your personal life be this much on television, well, we are on television, so we have the opportunity to mention that as well. Never want to see that, Joe. Really disappointed to wake up to that today. I am shocked, actually. I mean, to tell you the truth, I am completely shocked that that's, uh, that that's, what, it came, uh, that's what it came to. I had no idea they were in trouble. I mean, that was the... Me either. Very strange. I mean, I remember watching him ride that bicycle right on the sidelines there, and uh, and her being up in the uh, in the box. I just 
it seems like we've known them forever. It really does. Hard yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah, we're stuck in the Bahamas for a few weeks. You would have thought that while this whole pandemic was going on, you would have thought that that would have helped the cause. I guess it must have hurt it. But yeah. divorce yeah. rates are on the rise, Joe, with the pandemic. That's for sure. It's nice. Uh, you know, it's like neighbors. The best ones are usually separated by a fence. Kind of the same thing with marriage. <laughs> Got to keep that cooking going. That's all I'm saying. Got to keep those meals coming. Amen. Amen. Everyone will be happy. <laughs> All right, so today is April the 27th, 2020, and of course, we've got a lot to get to here on the show as we dive into the NFL draft. I'm going to have my top fantasy running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends, and running back and receiver, for those of you who are in Dynasty League, we'll have that coming up. I mean, it is going to, you've got a monster set of wide receivers in fantasy this year. You have a Dynasty League where you're kind of thin in that position, you're going to end up doing okay. So stay tuned to that if you're watching the show live we're coming up about 15 minutes away from that and if you're watching on demand just hit that fast forward button on youtube and it'll take you exactly where you need to go all right so this day in fantasy sports joe it's april the 27th let's get the ball rolling here a little bit tell people what they missed in the past just in case they missed it and we start off in 1983 nolan ryan becomes the all-time strikeout king 3509 strikeouts and Nolan Ryan is known, Joe, for it seems like only one thing, and that's punching Robin Ventura in the face. Why yeah. is that every time Nolan Ryan is mentioned, people go right to that every single time? They forget about how good this guy was. They just want to talk about the fight. No, it's not just good, guys. He was he was beyond good. He was in a class truly all his own. And uh, what, what can you say? When there was... Even even during the era of Gooden and and those guys where they came back known as these strikeouts, uh, you know these right. these guys that were going to strike out 19. Nolan Ryan was doing that with his with his eyes closed, and he was doing it for franchises, unfortunately, who really weren't all that good to begin with. Um, and I don't even know if people realize he started out with the Mets. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how true. it all started with that. Having him and Seaver. Could God. you imagine? <laughs> It's crazy to me, but one of the all-time greats. Wasn't what you think of him as a um, as a baseball uh, president? Because obviously he had a, a big hand oh, in the Rangers. That's a good, that's and a good everything. question. He he had a lot of success there mm-hmm. um, in Texas, and yep. they went to the World Series in 2011. And then John Daniels took over yep. and essentially was named the president of baseball operations. And Nolan felt, I guess, a little slighted, so. He ends up going, you know, back to Houston yep. and and takes a special assistant job there. And then his son, Reed Ryan, who was the president of baseball operations, gets demoted. Yep. And now he leaves the Astros, too. So, you know, it's really hard because I, I don't have really any insight as to what specific moves he made or what he was thought of. But I've always felt it's kind of important to have a legend of some sort just kind of around Yep. Whether it's, you know, and I, I know some of these guys, Joe, they want to do more than shaking hands. Nolan Ryan is one of those guys. But I do think, if anything, if you ask me, it is a little sad that yeah. both teams in Texas he can't have any part of right now for one reason or another. So, Which is kind of crazy when when you think of because he is a legend in them parts, too. In he Texas. Is, yeah. yeah. I mean, pitched for Houston and pitched for Texas. Yep. I mean, those are two of the four teams that he pitched with. Yeah, because yep. he pitched with the Angels for a bit. And then, uh, as you mentioned, the New York Mets. So maybe he'll go to the Angels. That's next. Crazy. All right. uh, Back we go to 1994. And let's hit on a no-hitter here. Uh, Scott Erickson of the Minnesota Twins. Scott Erickson had a very quick dominant run in Major League Baseball for about two or three years with the Twins and then signed a big contract with the Orioles. And, uh, well, you know, the rest is sort of history. But at least he does have that no-hitter under his belt in 1994. The strike shortened season, but Erickson in 94, 95 is a pretty darn good pitcher with Minnesota. And uh, you can go back and look at the stats. Believe yeah. when it when it mattered about winning games, he actually won 20 games. Yeah. All right, 1998, and this was the beginning of what was really a dynasty for the San Antonio Spurs, Joe, as uh, Tim Duncan wins the NBA's Rookie of the Year. Remember the Spurs? I remember it well. Yeah, they went in the tank after David Robinson went out. Now they have Duncan. Now they have Robinson. Later on, they'd get Ginobili. Later on, they'd get Tony Parker. But Tim Duncan, easily one of the best players in the history of the NBA, and probably the single most underrated player yeah, in the NBA. Absolutely, like I said, he's on my Mount Rushmore by far uh, in the NBA. The guy was uh, just pure silk. It was a perfect marriage: the right player for the right city at the right time. 
and voila, that usually produces championships, which is exactly what it did. Yeah, and a player that was better in the NBA than he was in college, which I always find one of so the last four-year yeah. NBA guys, too. One of the last guys to actually go all four years. Yeah, with Wake Forest for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, and and look, the Spurs. Uh, I mean, they, there's nothing left to be said about them. They won so many championships. It's amazing that the coach outlasted all the players. You very rarely see that in the NBA. But yeah, indeed, crazy. Popovich. All right, and our uh, our final this day in history. I'm shocked to see that that this was this late. I wonder if the NFL draft, if we're going to have something tomorrow. But yeah, I guess back in 2017, they finished off the draft on April 27th. Wow, that's pretty late in April. Wow. But, uh, Miles Garrett, first overall pick in the NFL draft. I, I would say that the results have been good with Garrett. I would I wouldn't say that he's a superstar, but right. he's a pretty good player, and I think that. If you want to go back and judge it right now, you know, he's done well. He's had a good career thus far, only yep. a couple of years into this thing, right? Fair. Talent is without a doubt there. Yeah. Talent is absolutely uh, first, first, you know, pick in the NFL draft worthy. I think the best of uh, Miles Garrett is still to come if he can keep his, uh, you know, the penalty flags down to a minimum. But uh, I think uh, he's, especially that Cleveland team, I, I think the uh, it's already looking up because, we're in what, April, at the end of April, and we haven't once had a conversation about Baker Mayfield and in an interview he did. That, that, that's true, too. Yeah, no, I, I think that they have built a nice a nice core of players yep. for you. But, I mean, the decision-making process was just awful, and the coaching last year was yeah. just was abysmal last year for Cleveland. So uh, that's what happened this day in sports mm-hmm. back on April the 27th, and hopefully as we close out this month of April, we never have to go back and – mention all the things that we didn't have in the month of april because really april 2020 we're looking at wrestlemania Mm -hmm. the nfl draft and that's it (laughs) that's all we've had in sports yep uh we're getting ready for the kentucky derby i think was what we uh should be doing any any of these things we got bull riding back at least thank you it's slowly but surely ufc will be back too before we know it yeah no all right um uh, we got some birthdays today to cover, so let's hit those two. April the 27th, we got George Gervin, NBA uh, All-Star, many-time All-Star, also uh, Basketball Hall of Famer as well. Probably another – it seems like everybody who plays on the Spurs is underrated, but Gervin, uh, you know, a lot of people remember, of course, when he played, but simply he's just not a name that gets talked about a lot among the greats, but he was a really good player. No. Uh, 1975, Chris Carpenter of the you know, Once Upon a Time Blue Jays, but really the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. And one of their heroes in the 2011, I want to say, World Series, if yep. I'm not mistaken. And Carpenter was just, um, I mean, he yeah. was in the Cy Young conversation three, four, five years in a row. Yep. Had it not been for injuries at the beginning of his career and had it not been for injuries at the end of his career, I mean, Carpenter could be talked about as being a potential Hall of Famer. I know he still has some sort of role with the Cardinals now as some sort of uh, special assistant. But when you think back and you think about pitchers that dominated in the you know mid-2000s when mm-hmm. it was really tough, Carpenter was one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely was. And you also have to uh, – guy was a fantasy machine there, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, every- I mean, for, for a lot of years there, he was racking up Ws, and uh, he was doing a pretty good job for fantasy players. She certainly was. Uh, 1993, we move over to Keenan Allen of the Los Angeles Chargers. And you know, Joe Keenan Allen will have a new quarterback for sure this year. We'll, t- we'll dive into that coming up in a little bit. But uh, what is the over-under now at this point that Keenan Allen gets passes thrown to him by Tyrod Taylor this season? If I set the over-under for games played, the game started for Tyrod Taylor in 2020 and i set the total at nine and a half would you go over or under that no under absolutely under yeah i don't see any way that you spend the number six pick on a uh, on a quarterback and want to sit him behind tyrod taylor there isn't anything i don't think tyrod taylor does better so you think herbert what? starts the season with him? i think herbert I, if not the first game i would say very shortly thereafter okay. i think herbert uh I think Herbert will have this team certainly by midseason. I think Taylor starts, though. I think Taylor I, starts. I, yeah, I'd say Taylor starts, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, I, I think it's going to be one of those situations like we had in Seattle with a third-round pick named Russell Wilson, who all of a sudden everyone's like, what do you mean? Who's he? Why is he starting the year over Hasselbeck? 
I think it's the same. Was actually, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Russell Wilson was starting oh, over Matt Flynn. That's right, Flynn. I'm sorry, who they just spent all that money on? That's to? right. Yeah, I, that's I, right. I think we're going to have a very similar situation. It could be. Maybe I set that number a little high. Maybe that was a, that was a big number, but okay. Seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make you think, Joe. That's uh, eight, I think, it, listen, he's going to play at least half the season. Okay, there you go. Eight games. Uh, and finally, Corey Seager, born in 1994 uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Who would have ever thought that, and again, we don't know what's going on with the season of baseball, but who would have ever thought two years ago if I would have told you that, yeah, Corey Seager, we're not even going to be talking about him. Crazy. What? Yeah. Are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Oh, they're going to have a guy named Bellinger. He's going to be better. Are you nuts? No way. They're going to have a guy named Muncie. He's going to be better, too. Oh, no way. I mean, I, I thought Corey Seager was going to be a bona fide superstar in baseball, but his numbers haven't been, I mean, the numbers are fine. He's a good shortstop, but I, I thought we were looking at a superstar in baseball and uh, probably not even the third or fourth best player on the team for the Dodgers. When a lot I, of hype, a lot of hype around Seager. Injuries and yeah. stuff. Year. Maybe, maybe 2020 is here is, uh, is his year. We'll see. Yep. All right. Uh, so now we're not going to basically spoil the last dance, Joe and I had a conference call. We decided that on this show, we're not going to spoil it for those people who haven't seen the special on Michael Jordan and That's the Bulls great. and everything that they showed on Sunday night. We made the conscious decision that since there isn't a lot on television, why, for those of you who are waking up to us, tell you exactly what happened in the show, right. and then it's ruined for you. So we'll give you at least another few days, a couple days, before we even start reviewing it or dial into it. We're not going to do that. But I will say this. Along those lines, with it being on again last night, and now they're starting to show all those different battles that they had with all of the other teams. Yep. What? What? Just a hypothetical, Joe. If Michael Jordan didn't play, Michael Jordan wasn't in the NBA. I think the Bulls probably still would have been okay. Pippen was really good, and Pippen was good that year that they almost beat the Knicks and, right. and went to the finals. But who would have been the best player during that era in the 1990s if it wasn't Jordan? Like. Is it just as easy? Because all we would have to do is look at a team that won the championship, and, and Houston won twice. We could just say Hakeem and just be done with it if you want. But is it that easy that, that, that Elijah Wan would have been? I mean, he wouldn't have been Jordan, but he would have been considered the best player of the 90s, I would say. I think that that's, that's probably fair. Well, that's when the um, center position mattered. So you had a couple of really good ones, uh, you know, in, in Ewing there and Elijah Wan. This right. is where centers actually still mattered in the uh, in the game. Yeah, that went away, right? That went away big time. But, yeah, when you look at it, would the Knicks have had an actual shot at winning a championship if there was no Jordan? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Miami, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there might have been some, you know. How, how, about, how about, so the, the way that I kind of threw it together here was, I think I think it's pretty clear cut that Elijah Wan would have been because he proved it when Jordan wasn't there and Houston won their championships, right? Right. Um, one with Drexler, one without Drexler. Right. Carl uh, Malone. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was going to say. Carl Malone and yeah. John Stockton, like those guys, probably would have won maybe a, a championship, few. right? Yeah, a few, absolutely. That team was that team was crazy too. Stockton and Malone would have certainly been that uh, that pairing that you would have had to have looked at. Uh, and been like, wow. I mean, you're you're talking about an era too that Detroit had dominated. They Detroit might have dominated another year or two also Maybe. Uh, Maybe. had Jordan not got sick of losing to them to begin with. Would, would Phoenix with Barkley? Would they have won? Yeah. Dan Marley. Yeah, Hornacek, you would have thought, Chris. but you know, listen, they couldn't get out of the West. I mean, to me, it's hey, they did one time, right? Right. They played, yeah. they played the Bulls once. All right. The question is, out of the East, I mean, who would have, who would have, you know, ro rose to that uh, that level there and given the West a uh, a big run for their money? And there weren't. Uh, I mean, it was a constant with, you know, beat the Knicks, beat Miami, beat. I mean, they just kind of went right through it uh, for a while. Uh, it was just they beat everybody. Maybe Boston might have had another uh, couple of years in them. Uh, but no, it's. Um, I, I think the winners would have come from the West, to tell you the truth. It, see, it seems that way. Would, yeah. would uh, Shaquille O'Neal have won anything with Orlando? No, nah, he was Orlando, though. I don't know that they. Well, they had Hardaway. Uh, so maybe. And they got to the finals, right? Yeah. Against Houston. They got did. swept, right? Yep. Yeah, but even Houston beat them. But you're right, those Houston teams were. It feels I, like they're the teams, and yeah. that's that's why I wonder, like, if I had to say, like, a lot, I would put Elijah on, like, yes. 
second in that era. And then I would put Malone third, but I'm having a hard time with fourth. So, well, you'd have to go probably go some sort of uh, guard in uh, in that uh, in that era. I mean, I, mean, I want to put Barkley, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't know that that would have been the uh, I don't know that it would have been the case. I, I think Elijah, I think Ewing would have rose to the occasion Maybe Ewing too. Goes in. You know, yeah. I think those Knicks teams would have certainly had enough toughness when Riley was coaching them. Uh, during that era to be able to, if there was no Jordan, I got no doubt the Knicks would have had at least one. Yeah. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, it's time to start diving into the NFL draft. My Mm. ranking of the fantasy running backs that were taken Mm. in the 2020 NFL draft. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Hopefully you guys are having a really good Monday morning, and we will continue on here on the show until 1 o'clock on the East. And Yes, of course. We're going to cover the recap of the NFL draft. Now, a lot of the shows that you watch here on Sports Grid certainly do it from a betting perspective. We can touch mm-hmm. on some of that as well. But, of course, this is fantasy sports today, so I thought we would dive into it from a fantasy perspective. And what's really interesting is that with the lack of sports happening, Joe, what we're seeing is a lot of people are just immediately rushing over to now see where these players fit in right. in terms of a mock draft and in terms of where you would potentially take a look at them. And again, look, in years past, we had guys like Christian McCaffrey, we had Saquon Barkley, and um, and I and I think that there's going to be a lot of depth in this rookie class, okay. but I don't know that we're going to see like any rookie drafted in the mm. first round or the second round or probably maybe even the third round. I'm not sure how that will shake out, but I, I, don't, I think there's going to be a lot of rookies taken this year. Right. I just don't think we're going to see any in the first 15 or so picks. Yeah, it's... Um... Who would you go with? I mean, that's the real, I mean, what is, what yeah. is, le- I, I don't know. There's so much still to be determined. And you mentioned it. I don't know what to make in a running back position anymore because how it is viewed on a league-wide perspective here, this draft, I mean, it's, they're a dime a dozen. And it looks like every team needs three running backs now. I mean, have we noticed this? Like, you know, all of a sudden Indy needs three running backs. Everybody needs three running backs. That just devalues the position, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it makes it a lot tougher. Yeah. And and if you can just get that guy that is the sole guy in the backfield, right. even with a year that Barkley had last year, he's still going to be a top three pick this year. No matter what you think about McCaffrey, Crazy. he's the number one pick, even with yep. a 20% reduced workload. When you have one guy, it is so worth it to yep. dive into that volume. And uh, and now we're going to see some of that volume taken away from yep. a few players. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that, certainly. So... Yeah, so there's no bona fide first-round guaranteed top-five pick in this. And I don't even think that there's anyone in the second round either. There's some people who think maybe late second, early third. But uh, here is how I have them ranked for 2020. Now, again, this is all subject to change. Right. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen between now and the time the training camps open. And who knows if they're open. And who knows how this will all shake out. But here is my initial reaction to how I would rank them from a fantasy perspective. I I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the situation that kind of follows is this, is they invested a first-round pick in him. I understand that the Chiefs are going to use several guys. They've proven this in the past. Uh, I don't really think that Damian Williams is going to ever get 20 or 30 carries in a game. So if Hilaire is the number two guy in the offense and can work his way up to the one, I do think that he probably will be given the most opportunities to get fantasy points because of Joe near the goal line. And right. anytime they're near the goal line, if this guy is a factor and you know the Chiefs are going to score more than any team in the NFL or close to it, right. that's why I have him at uh, at number one. So yep. I'll put him number one there. I Listen, I, I think also I think the situation is – You've got to have versatility as a running back. Like, and just like McCaffrey, if you can't catch the ball out of the backfield, if they have to continuing to sub you out for other people uh, because you're, you can't be on the field on third down because it might be a pass. 
I mean, those days to me are gone. Hilaire to me is all about the guy that can catch. He'll probably be a bit, a better receiver than he will be necessary it, it runner be. at it times. So I think that to me is probably more than anything why Andy Reid looked at him and said he's a perfect fit for what we're looking to do. Yeah, and and I think that in a PPR format, you still mm-hmm. got to put him at the top, and right. I think that he'll get used quite a bit. Although they they are the you know pass happy team yep. in the NFL, like um, Westbrook. Th- think about you know, all those days with yep. Westbrook back in the day with Andy Reid. That's exactly what he just got here. Yep, that's a good point. All right, uh, I got Keyshawn Vaughn second. I, I just I think that he is going to have the most opportunities to play. Yes, the the Buccaneers are sour on Ronald Jones. That's obvious at this point. They have no one behind him, basically Peyton Barber, nothing else. And Vaughn proved it in the SEC at Vanderbilt. I think he's probably right at the top, a 15 to 20 carry type guy. And I think, Joe, that going into the year, Vaughn probably won't be the first running back taken off the board as far as rookies go. But he may, maybe they should. Maybe you should. I mean, if he has a really big preseason and he wins the job and he's the horse there, I mean, it, it is bizarre to me to see them turn on Ronald Jones so quickly, Joe, because he's only been in the league two years. But it's pretty obvious when you use a third-round pick on a guy like Vaughn that you're going to use him. And again, Tom Brady's in that offense, too. How much running is Bruce Arians and company going to uh, going to do? How much are they going to rely upon? And, and listen, with Bruce Arians, it's all about trust. Um, and he obviously doesn't try. I, I think he's – I think Ronald Jones is a – a very good running back, but I don't think that Bruce Arians trusts him, which is why he had this whole platoon thing. And I think Tampa Bay is just another example of uh, an organization that doesn't put a lot of stock in the running back position. And it's first man up. Everyone who does in certain situations makes it very hard from a fantasy perspective. But when you go out and get Vaughn here in the, in the third round, you've basically announced uh, to the rest of the team, yeah, we're not exactly sold on uh, either of the guys on the roster right now. Yeah, I, I, and I think that at the end of the year, it wouldn't shock me to see Vaughn get the most volume of any of the names on yep. the list here. Doesn't surprise uh, me. Uh, Cam Akers, I have third. And Cam Akers, of course, went in the second round. And basically, with no Todd Gurley, you may ask yourself, oh, well, I mean, doesn't this make Cam Akers the every down guy, the first down guy, the second down guy? You know, it may. It may. But they drafted Daryl Henderson last year. And so, you know, I think that this is a tough one, too. I think it potentially is a timeshare. There's a chance also that Henderson is more of the pass-catching back. We saw Akers very easily was able to run the ball on first down and second down. So uh, there's a chance that he's the early down guy and Henderson is the late guy. But again, Henderson probably will know the blocking a little bit better for the Rams. And Henderson could be a little bit of a better pass catcher, too than acres so um i got acres third which i think is is a, is a pretty solid number yeah a low center of gravity and he's got breakaway speed uh to me he's a guy that around the goal line yeah they'll uh they'll probably be using him a lot in those types of short yarded situations i could see cam acres being that uh that bull for them All right. Um, DeAndre Swift, I thought, would be the first running back taken. And I thought that when we were done with this uh, draft, we'd come here on Monday and say DeAndre Swift is the number one fantasy rookie in 2020. But I can't say that after he ends up with Detroit. And look, I I understand that Kerryon Johnson is, is not a guy that's been healthy over the last couple of years. But when he's healthy, he's still pretty good and he's still on the team. And, Joe, unless you tell me that Carrion Johnson is not coming back with the Lions, there's just no way that I could put Swift ahead of the guys that are ahead of him. I think the other guys have a better path. Now, in 2021, I think there's – in a dynasty league, I want Swift. I want Swift. That's the guy. I but agree. for 2020, I still think there's a chance he could fall short of not only these three that we mentioned, but maybe even some others. You know, Carrion Johnson is the goal line guy, too, so that the touchdowns could get taken away as well. I love the fit long-term for Swift. I just don't know about this year unless they surprise us and they move Carrion Johnson. It'll be interesting because, um, you know, Swift ran through some really big holes there at Georgia. Um, but I got to tell you, when it comes to versatility, uh, him catching balls out of the backfield, he's, a, sure. big, he's a big-bodied kind of guy. Uh, I, I think he's a little more versatile than what Carrion Johnson is. So. I could definitely see them using him in much more. I don't know how much he'd come off the field. And we all know Carrion Johnson, um, health-wise, not necessarily something that we've or they've No, but when he's on the field, he's really good. Yes, I mean, the numbers absolutely. don't lie. So absolutely. it's 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 
unless they do something with carry on Johnson. I mean, Swift would be my number one dynasty. Player. Yeah. I don't think big for time. A, a 2020. I think a couple other guys yep. may have better years. Yep. Uh, this was another weird one. Jonathan Taylor, the Colts uh, traded up to draft Jonathan Taylor. They really loved him. And, and this is after Marlon Mack has put together two really good years yep. for the Indianapolis Colts. They also have Naheem Hines, too, and Wilkins. Like, a really, mm-hmm. I, another surprising one. It's like, I guess I would say almost the same thing about Swift that I would with Taylor, which is that for this year, I mean, he's ahead of some other guys that will go over, but I got to put him behind all these others because if I ask you, Joe, how many carries per game will Jonathan Taylor get if Marlon Mack is healthy? Is it five? Is it six? I don't know that he'd be much of a factor at all. I am, uh, and this is another one of those situations where it looks to me like there are some teams that are going to, they want athletes as running backs and not, uh, it's not going to be a one-man show at all. It's going to be, I love this kid. I, I think he's going to prove to be one of the better running backs in the league. He's an athlete. He comes with a track background. He's got he's got that breakaway speed. He's a great athlete. Never missed any time. Never missed a game or practice. Uh, but again, like you said, you got Mac. You got Hines. So now you can only one guy can carry the ball at no, a time. I, I don't. And they know. have two. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're very similar in in that kind of way that they can run the ball. So I it's a he's a great pick. I just don't know how much you know Frank Wright and company unless they've decided that listen. We are going to run the ball, and we're going to give Philip Rivers less opportunities to throw it into, uh, you know, into double coverage, that kind of thing. That could be for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, now six through ten uh, at six, I got J.K. Dobbins mm-hmm. of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Dobbins clearly is another one of those guys, maybe for 2021. I think Ingram probably has one really good year left. But let's also not forget, last year they drafted Justice Hill. So what? Right. They have Gus Edwards. So. I mean, I don't know what they're doing here with Dobbins, but his talent is undeniable, and and who knows? Maybe they make some move that we're unaware of before the season started. I know Miami really wanted him, and they picked uh, one pick after Dobbins. They did not get him. Uh, Zach Moss went to Buffalo, and in Buffalo's situation, I think that he's probably in for a timeshare, Joe, because, right. I, I mean, Devin Singletary is the one that they drafted the year before. So I could just simply, seeing this just a straight split, the Bills were really never comfortable giving uh, yep. giving Singletary the ball full-time, nor were they comfortable giving him the ball on the goal line. They gave a lot of a lot of those to Frank Gore. So uh, I don't think Moss is much of a factor this year, but I don't see them handing it to Singletary every time either. Singletary could get overdrafted in fantasy this year. Depth. It's obvious the teams that believe there should be, uh, and even, you know, the, even the next guy, that depth is important uh, on their team and they want more than one guy. They want some people in that running back room because uh, it's loaded there. I mean, they've, they've got, they've got a nice group of running backs there in Buffalo now, but like you said, there's, how are you supposed to count on them from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah, it's true. And I think that that's where the tier stops as far as draftable fantasy players yep. in, in the draft. I think now from the point on now, we're talking about, if the starter gets hurt, we're talking about handcuffs only. I, I see uh, Hilaire, Vaughn, Aker, Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, and Moss all playing. Yes. I don't know how much, but they're going to play a little bit. Yep. Now I don't know that I'm, I can tell you that any of these guys are going to play at all this year. I'm just not sure. Uh, A.J. Dillon, to me, doesn't play unless Aaron Jones gets hurt. Right. I, I don't see any reason to play A.J. Dillon unless Aaron Jones gets hurt. Uh, Eckler has proven himself. If Kelly gets anything, it's a couple carries a game. I mean, Eckler is the guy there, no doubt. Yep. And uh, and look, Connor was hurt a lot of last year, so that makes Anthony McFarland a little bit of a handcuff, I think, for him. But I don't think McFarland's ready to start carrying balls in the NFL right off the bat. And with all the blocking schemes that they have going on there, I think McFarland is going to sit a little bit. So uh, I'm a little bit bearish on Dylan Kelly and McFarland, Joe. I'm just – those three guys – it, it, they're just strictly handcuffs for me. Somebody right. gets hurt and give them a chance. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the McFarlane I love from the standpoint of he, he's a very elusive back. He too has that home run speed. He's like that kind of back that you're going to bring in in, in just very isolated situations right. that um, that could prove really good, especially on gadget plays, that type of thing. Uh, but I don't see him being certainly 
uh, worthy of a three-down back type of situation being on the field. I, I don't see that. But he'll have his moments, but that's not going to score you any fantasy points. Yeah, I, I don't think I think I don't think he'll be starting any of these yeah. guys. Unless, yeah. unless, again, somebody gets hurt. They'll hurt. all be drafted in fantasy drafts. It's just a yes. matter of you're waiting for somebody else to get hurt. That's the, yep. the ultimate handcuff situation. Yep. Uh, I, I didn't go round six, round seven, uh, or honestly round five, but mm-hmm. I do have a few that I feel like were the best of the rest. And these are players that maybe you're going to be taking in the last round of your fantasy draft or second to last round. I Mm -hmm. I think that there's a chance 10 rookie running backs go. Uh, P. Ryan at Florida was just awesome, but he is not a workhorse at all. He's out of the backfield. He's third down when Bell needs a breather, and I think that that's it. But he's dynamic, and they've been looking for somebody to be dynamic in that Jets offense out of the backfield. So I think P. Ryan fits that bill. Uh, Darrington Evans is only if Henry gets hurt and yep. nothing else and on third down and that's Dead. it nothing yep. else and the same thing goes for DJ Dallas I'm not really sure how Seattle's situation is going to pan out Carson was a little bit of a disappointment I thought last year Joe and then he got hurt so maybe there's a chance that DJ Dallas gets a little bit of a bump but I got to tell you he was okay at Miami but he was no star. he was not a star or anything by any means and I got to cut off the running back conversation at that point because I went through the rest and I really didn't see anybody that I thought that would have a fantasy impact in 2020. But as we know, there's always surprises every single year. Of course. Nobody had Philly, uh, Philip Lindsay a couple of years ago. Uh, there's always going to be players that are going to come out of nowhere. So I always say that to take it with a grain of salt, and we'll check back on this in a couple months. There is a uh, definite trend going on in the NFL with the running back uh, position there. And a lot of these picks here this year just – it's like they're stockpiling in that position, in that room that, uh, you know, while we know there's a starter, we know which one's the starter, it just feels with some of these draft picks in, in this year that it's really anybody's game. Whoever gets yeah. the hot hand could very well be the starting RB1 and RB2 in, in just about every – you almost have to overdraft in the running back positions in the late rounds just because any one of them at any particular time could, uh, could take over the starting job. Who do you think the most likely of all of these is to lead rookies in rushing in 2000? Just rushing yards in 2020. I don't think it would be Hilaire. No. I'm, I'm not sure if it would be Vaughn, but I think Vaughn will get a lot of volume out of the backfield too. Is it Akers that well has, has the best chance just strict rushing yards? Yeah, to win the rushing yards, I like um, – I do. I, I like um, – I like – well – Cam Akers, to me, is probably the most versatile or, or the best hard-nosed running running back in there. And I think uh, he's going to see a lot of – he's probably the most points, I think, uh, of the running backs that uh, outside, of course, of, of Hilaire. I do think Akers is going to get the ball a ton in short-yarded situations. But to me, you got to be a home run hitter. If we're talking about yardage, I, it doesn't need to carry the ball 30 times a game to get to 125 yards, right? You, you run, if you're a guy that can actually bust one out for 65 yards here, 25 yards there, I think that, uh, to me, some of these home run hitters here, like Jonathan Taylor, who can take it to the house, and before you know, he's got 100 yards at halftime. All right, we'll have a lot more in hour number two. Straight ahead, don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 